I am very excited and delighted to tell you that your chronic illness ally is once again enrolling. If you're new around here, your chronic illness ally is the supportive home, the program, the community and the coaching space for you to learn how to reframe the role that your chronic illness plays in your life. It guides you off of that conveyor belt of constantly trying to fix and heal your chronic illness and teaches you how to tap into the wisdom of your body that's being communicated via your chronic illness so that you can channel it, channel that wisdom, channel that intelligence into living the big, beautiful life you dream about. If you enjoy this podcast, you will certainly love your chronic illness ally. There is a link to it in the show notes, but let me tell you, the funnest way to learn more about it is to do my quiz. And once you've done that, pop your email in at the end to learn more. And then sit back as I help you explore your unique support style, which will help you make an informed choice about whether your chronic illness ally is a hell yes fit for you. After taking a wee break last week, Um, to recharge my batteries after the Your Chronic Illness Ally launch finished. Um, I'm back today with a beautiful episode with Agnes Becker. It was the most cosy thing to listen to today as I was editing Um, and I'm just delighted to introduce Agnes to you. So Agnes is an artist, a science communicator and creator of We Are Stardust, which is a place where art and science collide to enrich your experience and relationship with our messy, beautiful universe. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As you will hear in our conversation, there are so many synergies between her work and mine her philosophy and mine um she creates artwork that inspires connection with the more than human world which we go on to discuss what that is and what that means and what that looks like um and she also hosts online adventures that encourage you to rewild your soul she is based in bedfordshire in the uk and she works from her as she calls it, little office studio in her home, which is filled with sketches and books and sticks and pine cones and plants. And doesn't that just create the most nourishing earthly image? So in this episode, we talk about so much of the connection between um, the planet and our bodies and also the way we live on planet earth right as humans the way society today lives on this earth and how that is so in my mind anyway so deeply connected with the way we actually live within our bodies in modern society too um we go on to talk about how um we are looking at climate change or the climate crisis um and how actually we could be approaching it in a much more integrative, um, accepting way. And of course, again, how that relates to how, um, you know, we might approach chronic illness and approach our bodies, but actually we can do it in a much more integrative um, way. Um, But also we talk about winter and how we resist winter, both, you know, seasonally, but within our bodies and that darkness but 
it can be exactly what we need to feel and be in in order to know what we need to know. We also talk about things like constant productivity and this constant need for summer. I'm just giving you the whole episode in the intro here, but I loved it so much. <laughs> um, you know, this this constant need for summer and how that relates to productivity and then allowing ourselves to actually sit in this fertile void of winter and stop. Um, and something that Agnes does is she does like winter stargazing projects. Um, she stargazes herself and it's a beautiful way to connect yourself with this planet Earth, but also the universe and winter and the night sky. Um, and when she first told me about it, I was like, oh, I really want to do that. But I'm really cozy in my home. How do I do that? Um, so she went through that. And actually, not long after recording this episode, I was at my um, I was visiting my granny and uh, my granddad uh, had about a million pairs of binoculars that um, are still in a cupboard somewhere so <laughs> I went rooting through those I took a pair of binoculars and I went outside and I spent probably about five to ten minutes looking at the stars figuring out how to work a pair of binoculars for a start um, and looking at the stars through these binoculars and yeah just really appreciating what I saw anyway that is enough rambling off rambling off rambling on from me about this episode I feel like we're in this kind of process maybe it's just my bubble my little world but in this process (laughs) of um allowing ourselves to release the need for that control and the word that's coming to mind for me particularly in this in this kind of period of personal and seasonal winter is a surrender to that season yeah um and just allowing myself to to feel it I've resisted this winter like for a long time and and it's really only the last couple of months where my body has been screaming at me, just stop. Yes. Just stop now. <laughs> there is one more thing I want to tell you before we dive in. And that is um, that next week I will be shutting up shop for the winter. But before that happens, I'm playing with something. I'm experimenting with something. Um and each day, starting from Sunday, going through till Saturday, whatever date that is. Um, so the 11th to the 17th of December, I'm going to be releasing daily offers. It's a bit like a selection box, right? I'm combining selection box of um, biscuits that you would eat at Christmas with advent calendars. And um, yeah, if you want to work with me, basically, I'm going to be releasing different ways that you can work with me at a complete range of durations, commitment levels, um, prices, and there will be a different thing each day and that thing will only be available for that particular day. Um, But also um, the spaces are going to be quite limited for some of those offers. So some offers will only have one space available. Um, So yeah, basically, if you want to know about that, join my newsletter. You can do that via my website, alanaholloway.com forward slash newsletter. Um, and you will get all the information you need to know over the next week. Um, yeah, anyway, to the episode. Welcome to the Reframing Chronic Illness podcast with me, Alana Holloway. The place where you get to see your chronic illness in a different light, where you get to call on its wisdom and intelligence to help you feel how you want to feel, be how you want to be and live how you want to live, where all of who you are is embraced and celebrated, chronic illness included. I am so happy that you're here. So Agnes, I would love to talk, I would love to start by talking about um, the more than human world and what is meant by that, but also like how does that show up in your life and what do you mean by that? Thank you so much for that question. So I recently found out that it was actually it actually came from um, David Abrams book, The Spell of the Sensuous, which I'm yet to read. Um, And it was his way of referring to earthly nature. But for me, what I found, I find it really helpful that often we talk about our relationship with nature as in nature is separate from humans. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's really that's kind of a root cause of lots of 
lots of problems. <laughs> and so what I find the term, the more than human world, how I, I find that really helpful because it acknowledges that both humans and more than humans <laughs> yeah. are both part of, uh, are all part of nature. And I love it that it's more than human as well, because often humans are, we see ourselves at the top of the evolutionary chain, if you like, although that's just totally fabricated in our mind. I think it's that picture, you know, of the, the yeah. ape going, kind of coming, turning into um, a human, or humans are also apes still, if you look, look at the classification. But um, yes, yeah, so I love that it's more than human, as in there is, you know, there's so much more than just our way of, looking at things and existing in the world yeah yeah I love that because I see a really I see that actually we have a really similar thought pattern around like us existing in our bodies it's almost as if like our consciousness we see as higher in the evolutionary chain of our bodies right and it's a separate thing and I'm talking generally here um but actually it's kind of like a conscious and a more than conscious world or that I'd like to, that I like to see my body. How do you, do you relate to that? Yeah, that's really interesting. I was reading, I don't know loads about philosophy. This is something I'd love to re- learn more about, but that I think therefore I am from, I think it's Descartes. And that's where this kind of separation of mind and body uh, began. And um I've been on a journey through We Are Stardust, which is the you know the business that I run, uh-huh. to, I think it was kind of unintentionally, but to kind of realise that, yes, as you say, we are, we are one part in a much bigger ecosystem. And not even, even that, like we as <laughs> our bodies are made up of so many different beings as well. Apparently yes. we have more bacterial cells in our body than we do human cells we have little creatures living on our skin which (laughs) you can't even see um the food that we eat you know comes from um plants and the plants are nourished by their roots which are connected to fungi (laughs) and the soil is kind of nourished by insects and bacteria and worms and so um what actually your individuality then becomes to you know starts to dissolve a little bit and I think Merlin Sheldrake in his amazing book called Entangled Life which is all about fungi and how they he's a a mycologist or a fungi scientist and how they kind of change fungi have changed his way of experiencing world he talks about frayed edges which I love that kind of Mm. um, thought that our our person our individuality has frayed edges and we kind of spill across into lots of multiple beings I love that and it's and and I can then imagine like the frayed edges of of what exists around us like fraying into us as well that's such a nice way to like just to view yeah this kind of formation I suppose that we take and um this kind of idea of separation but then the opposite of that and you know integration um is something that I talk about a lot in terms of living with chronic illness. So, you know, not only is there this general separation between mind and body or consciousness and more than consciousness, but we very much like other are, you know, as a society, other chronic illness and, and see it as this, um, uh, like amoeba that, you know, is, is, living within us or attached to us or something um so using your kind of knowledge of how to connect with that more than human world what would your what how do you do that because I think we can really take that and and apply it to how we connect with our more than conscious or or our chronic illness or our bodies at a deeper level oh that's such a good question and I'd really love to um bring in the work of an incredible writer called Sophie Strand that I've just recently come across this year. Um, she also has a, a chronic illness that she she lives with. It's a she talks about it very openly. It's a degenerative disease. So it's um of her connective tissue. Mm-hmm. And she went through there's an incredible um 
spoken, she speaks out this, this uh, spoken word kind of essay that she's written called I Will Not Be Purified. Um, it's very powerful. It's, it's very raw to listen to. You can find it on YouTube. And in that, she talks about how she went, you know, through so many different rounds of purification to try and rid her body of this disease. I didn't know what it was for a long time. I think it took a long time to get the diagnosis. So in that run up to the diagnosis, she was um, yeah, subjected to lots of different medical procedures, also kind of spiritual things that she sought to kind of to help her. And the conclusion she kind of comes to, which I really love, is that she sees herself as a compost heap. Hmm. So rather than trying to take away or get rid of this perceived, you know, as you say, amoeba or illness or um, impurity. Yeah. Um, her argument is, let me embrace that, even if even when it's hard. Yeah. Um, recognizing that I'm in a process of degradation and <laughs> and I'm kind of uh, decay, I guess. Um, but in the process, let's heap lots of beautiful things on it. As you know, the, not just um, you know this kind of need for purification the whole time. Let's just heap everything onto it and then see what what sprouts from that. Um, and she sees herself as becoming good soil for mm. you know generations to come not just human generations but also other beings as well and that's really this year that's really her way of seeing herself in as this compost heap has really kind of ingrained itself in in, in the way that I see things um and I think it also links to that dissolving of who you are you know we're connected to this is what we are started it's all about we're connected to everything around us because by, by the very simple um, fact that we're made of stardust you know the atoms in our body exploded in um were created in exploding stars billions and billions of years ago and everything on earth is made from those atoms and so we're all connected in that sense and we're connected through the beautiful um wonderful all inspiring things but we're also connected to the rot and the decay mm. and the, the difficult things as well um so this year for me especially feeling the effects of climate change very acutely in the UK this summer and allowing myself to stare it in the face rather than ignore it um has yeah really brought that, that kind of interconnectedness and and the kind of accepting of those really difficult parts of being human um rather than trying to push them away or purify them you know yeah so I think kind of a long long-winded answer but I hope something out of that made sense it absolutely did and there are two things that I'd love to talk about from climate change being one of them and I think we'll get onto that in a bit but I know that you um so we were talking a couple of weeks or months ago or whatever um winter for me like the seasonal winter has been something that I've um grown to love again over the past couple of years because actually it got to a point where I really dreaded it and I felt like the real heavy effects of winter but I really tried to resist it and um you mentioned a winter stargazing project that you do but I also know you do a nature journaling project and I love in that, I love that, um, and going back to this composting idea, I think we've got this tendency, again, generally to label seasons as bad or good or preferred or not preferred, you know, loved or hated. And because I very much am of the thought that, you know, our bodies, whether we live with a menstrual cycle or not, we go through cycles, we go through seasons um and i very much feel that there are seasons of chronic illness as well um and i want to you know i i live by i try to embrace them all um and so something like your winter stargazing project 
can be I'm kind of talking about you know as actually makes sense nature and our bodies and our chronic illnesses very interchangeably right now but um where did they where did these projects come from as an idea to kind of embrace these perhaps seasons you know winter we see as a we can see as oh I'm going into the winter and I'm dreading the winter but actually like that brings so much beauty to the winter and we get to see this beauty like where did they come from and and how do they work can you just like rabbit on about those because I'd love to hear (laughs) yeah oh thank you for bringing up winter because this year I feel like I've been in a personal winter and I think I've been in personal winter for probably the whole year and I'm only just starting to allow myself to accept that with the stargazing you know with all of the kind of nature journaling um projects that I put out there and also my online adventures which also explore one of the winter one is also about stars and dreaming um they usually start just from a slightly instinctive um, nudge to want to learn more about them. So mm. I'd, I'd read for, for the stargazing, I'd read an article by Jeanette Winterson about embracing the darkness and how she writes about um, going for a walk at dusk and coming home and only putting on candles. Yes. And it being this space for... Um, Open, reopening the dreaming space is the line that I can remember from it um so that's where kind of this idea started of of winter as a as a dreaming space and I think it was around that time that I also read um wintering by um I love that uh, book. Catherine May which I'm rereading now actually and lots mm. of it is speaking to me and at the same time I started experiencing really um quite intense insomnia periods so this is from kind of early 2021 and I'm still on the journey to figure out what exactly that's about um but there was something about the night sky darkness winter that kept coming back in my body even you know throughout the summer I'd have these kind of insomnia periods Mm -hmm. and I'd go out and look at the stars at in at that time and sometimes they were it was really comforting to see especially because I started to get to know some of the constellations. What I just find so incredible is that night sky is there for us every single night. It's like this incredible display up there Mm. (laughs) every single night, you know, when the clouds aren't there. Um, And all it takes is for us to look up and get to know a few of those stars. And it really doesn't, you really don't need to know many before the sky becomes familiar. So, for example, in winter, um, Orion starts to come back into the sky, which is a really famous constellation. I'm sure most people will be able to spot Orion's belt. You know, there's mm-hmm. three really bright blue stars. And then once you've kind of spotted that, from there you can branch out to other other um, stars, uh, asterisms, constellations, and behind them all are stories from our ancestors from lots of different cultures. So it's not just the, the sort of Greek gods that I think we're very familiar with. Um, there's lots of different stories and you can create your own stories around them as well. Um, there's a brilliant book called The, the Human Cosmos by Joe Marchant, who's a science writer. And she talks about how, although from the scientific perspective, we know so much more about the stars and the night, night sky than we have ever done. Um, our, our experience of the night sky is, is disappearing in comparison to uh, our ancestors and um and that's kind of, kind of born out particularly with light pollution so in mm-hmm. in the in europe i think there's only 80% of europe can't see the milky way in the summer really because of yeah because of light pollution um and so we've been we've been disconnected from our, our connection to the night sky and yet it's one of the the most awe-inspiring things to to look at, and there's lots of research about this as well. The the effect of feeling awe on the body, uh, on the humans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and how it can increase our creativity and cre- can increase our sense of, um, like the ego stills a little, and uh, we yeah. want to connect with others. That we become more altruistic. There's loads of different things, and one of the main pictures that psychologists use in this or research is a picture of the night night sky because that's one of the one of those um experiences that 
for whatever reason, us humans respond to with, with awe. And so then that awe feeling can be really beautiful and comforting. But I can also feel quite raw and elemental as well. So I've definitely felt that, especially when I've been utterly exhausted. Mm. And it just feels like this almost metallic kind of feeling. I can't quite describe it. Um, of me just here on this earth with you realize how you are you are on a planet in the middle of of space and it's so um it's so big to kind of comprehend you're kind of everywhere and nowhere at the same time so yeah that's kind of a uh a jumbled answer to to where where I've got to with the night sky but it's incredible I can think about how that that it always being there was such a beautiful metaphor I think to our bodies and like ourselves and our um our beings you know they are always it's always there and when we feel that disconnect when we're you know operating almost yeah with that consciousness being very disconnected to to what everything else that's within our bodies we can forget that actually we're greatly supported by our bodies and um we've got our own back at all times kind of thing. And I think, you know, that kind of um, separation of, and that othering of chronic illness, but, and of, of our bodies, of our physical um, beings, we forget that we forget that, you know, we're just way too busy doing everything else. And then I'm thinking, you know, how, how often are you way too in your head or in your phone or whatever to look up at that sky and like as you say realize we're lit we are on a planet like spinning around in the universe and it's <laughs> yeah that that blows your mind a bit doesn't it um and just approaching that with real curiosity and as you say like once you've kind of familiarized yourself with a constellation you can and excuse me if my terminology is way off here I'm very this is all new to me really but um yeah you can then you familiarize yourself with more parts and more more constellations and and that for me really really links to the way we can connect with our bodies um and our and ourselves and our health and and the messages you know the information and that wisdom that we hold within our bodies um i think yeah, I think what I'd love to, there was a, another thing, but it's left my mind for now. So um, what I would love to talk about is is this kind of realization of all of this connection and the way we, or society, I suppose, currently is addressing climate change, but actually this, as you were talking about earlier, this idea of of, of embracing actually what's going on and understanding it and not being afraid of getting to know it a bit more. Yeah. I wonder if it'd be helpful for me to talk a bit about nature journaling and, and how, um, where we pay our attention kind of matters. And, Mm -hmm. you know, recently, so I started nature journey probably about, 2019 and nature journaling is basically just recording your interactions with nature on a page and what I find really helpful about it is that um, it is a way to um, channel the way that I see things so I mean there's just so much outside right so um, if I'm on a walk you can if there's something that draws my curiosity I can sit there for a little bit and just spend some time with that other being for a while be that a a buttercup or um just watching some squirrels like I did this morning and um it helps me to direct where I am paying attention um and I find for myself being outside is a really good way to as you've said get out of that kind of head way of Mm -hmm. thinking and into body way of thinking and it often takes me probably about 20 minutes of walking I've fallen in love with walking and just stomping around every morning for about an hour is what I need to do before before I feel kind of settled um and and that process of um 
it's almost like a process of shaking off that mind energy that's kind of chatter in the brain that mm-hmm. constantly gets me to think about what I need to be doing next or planning something else or what I should have said yesterday that I didn't do yeah. and all these kind of things um and as I walk so that slowly kind of falls away and then the nature journey helps me to then direct attention to other beings and other ways of existing and living on this earth that is not <laughs> so like human centric right um and I think that process over time has really changed how I, I see the world because so I love science as well. And the thing that I love about science is that it opens up lots of different, again, worlds of and ways of living on this earth that you maybe wouldn't have ever imagined. I mean, a great example of these um mycorrhizal networks under the earth and myco is um, fungus and rhiza is roots so how roots and fungi interact in the earth they they form these symbiotic um, connections um so mutually beneficial not always mutually beneficial Mm -hmm. but um in that kind of relationship the trees give the the fungus carbon uh, very simplistically the, the fungi give the the trees nutrients from the ground like phosphorus that the the roots can't get themselves and and in that kind of interconnected way of um, of existing, it, it again draws, makes you think. So, what if they both need each other to to live? Right? What is 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 the tree a tree fungus, or is the fungus a fungus tree? Like mm. they kind of blend together, um, and it's that frayed frayed edges again, that interconnectedness. And then you can take that to looking at climate change, which you know we touched on earlier. And I find, I guess I found, what I found tricky with a lot of the way that we've spoken about climate change, particularly in in uh, Western context, is um, is through data, you know, which, which is really important to kind of track, track you know, what's happening, mm-hmm. especially when there's this idea of the shifting baseline. So... Our childhoods, I don't know if you remember, but when when I used to get driven around by my mum and <laughs> and dad in the car, the windscreens would be full of insect splodges. Yeah. And now you bet, well, around where I live, you barely get that at all. Um, and so for my daughter, the baseline is that that doesn't happen. Right. And so the baseline has shifted. So that's where I think tracking and data is really helpful. Um, but... I think maybe where we've what would be help more helpful for the climate cause is that this connection and relationship with um more than human beings. So you begin to notice how the changing climate is affecting other beings and then also affecting you as well. Mm-hmm. So for example, the you know, the autumn this year in the UK has been really mild. Mm-hmm. strangely mild um and for many folk it was oh it's lovely it's nice and sunny it's this eternal summer which you know our whole society is just all about this eternal summer constant productivity yeah um and yet for me it felt really strange and I think it's partly having immersed myself in the season of autumn the the previous few years through my nature journey through the adventures that I run that's made that made me realize that something is like feels really wrong at the moment for it to be this mild and for the trees all to still have their leaves <sighs> and for me to not feel the bite of the cold right now yeah it just makes you more aware I think and and you care then more and that the care the, the care bit is what then hopefully <laughs> changes attitudes and behaviors yeah so it's it's almost about having this I think I think that's what it pivots on isn't it it's that care and it's that um compassion and and if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, not getting too caught up in... in you know, this idea of this eternal summer or whatever it is, this idea of how we want, we'd prefer things to be. And and does that come from a comfort point of view, right? Because we are, are looking for that comfort and we prefer from warmth, from, I don't know, whatever else summer brings, that kind of energy, that um, the daylight hours, all of that stuff, you know, provides us with with levels of comfort. Obviously the summer we've had in the UK was, has been like highly uncomfortable because of the heat and the humidity um but and and not always wishing for something to be different than it is um and see going back to seeing this this beauty that comes with anything because you know I very much believe that there is beauty within our chronic illness and there is beauty within grief and there is beauty within um and that's not like a bypassing situation that is uh understanding that it can contain pain and beauty you know discomfort and beauty for want of a better word um and and in that we allow ourselves to understand and and to hold this this thing whether it be the climate and the planet or whether it be our bodies and our chronic illness with such care and such nourishment and then that's how we feed that back in. Yeah, I love that. I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, where does um, our need for control, really? That's what it kind of comes mm-hmm. down to, isn't it? Um, you know, we want to <laughs> we have our electric lights in the evenings in the winter. We have our heating and so on. And I can totally see how it probably comes from wanting a sense of safety, doesn't it? When you think back to to, to before we the time when we had homes and um, and all of these uh, technologies, it probably comes from a sa- sense of wanting to be safe and yeah. um, and the real acknowledgement that you know winters 
you know, they are times of death as well. So I can I have compassion for where that kind of that need for control comes comes from. But in that search for safety, I think maybe we've we've gone. To, I do. I think we've gone too far, and yeah. it's it verges on a well. It is oppression, basically, isn't it? And um, yeah, kind of a oppression on so many different different levels. Yeah. Um, and I I feel like we're in this kind of process maybe it's just my bubble my little world but in this process <laughs> of um allowing ourselves to release the need for that control and the word that's coming to mind for me particularly in this in this kind of period of personal and seasonal winter is a surrender to that yes. season yeah um and just allowing myself to to feel it I've resisted this winter like for a long time and and it's really only the last couple of months where my body has been screaming at me, just stop. Yes. Just stop now. <laughs> After two years of insomnia, to, I got to think September. And it's only now, and, and thank you to you as well for, for your work, Alana, that I've started to think, well, how? And also I'm on antidepressants, which helps so much. I'm now able to get sleep. And then with with the sleep, you're able to kind of, re- I'm able to reflect a lot more. You know, what is this, what has my body been trying to tell me by waking me up in the middle of the night in this darkness, in the, you know, if you think of a day as a as a mm-hmm. cycle, it's kind of the winter part of, of that, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, what has that been trying to tell me? Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, and, and I think in that, like, knowing that eventually... I think this is something I return to a lot when things are really hard, when I'm really struggling and, you know, when my brain's doing all sorts of weird things and my body's doing all sorts of weird things, coming back to that surrender and, and, and knowing that ultimately, eventually, however long it takes, like it will pass and I will be okay. And I am safe. Like, and sometimes I hesitate at saying that because there's obviously privilege that comes into into that knowing um but i also very much believe in building safety like as a foundation and and you know if you're able to circumstantially but um building that as a practice that kind of that inner safety um and and how that then can bleed out into different different areas of your life that safety that kind of environmental safety um because actually also (laughs) then you look at like the whole the whole thing you know about the the climate and the way it's going is that it is it is bringing that element of unsafety to our lives and and not being okay eventually right um yeah the uncertainty yeah so there is there is a balance in that um a shifting balance point um winter and it being a time for dreaming and I suppose like manifesting in not in the kind of spiritual sense but manifesting in your head you know creating in your head um things can you talk a bit about like why winter is the dreaming Mm. the dreaming season yeah before that I'd love to just touch on what you were talking about that with the uncertainty Mm -hmm. because I think one thing that getting to know your local area and the other beings that exist there really helps with is um a practice of gratitude and um and a reciprocity I suppose this is something one of my heroes uh, Robin Walkimra talks a lot about she's a botanist and has Native American heritage as well Mm -hmm. so she sees the world from these kind of two two viewpoints um and she's written a beautiful book called braiding sweetgrass um which i absolutely adore and that interweaves these two two viewpoints and she talks a lot about um about how humans we can express our gratitude just by where we decide to pay our attention and if you look at 
that's the world of human world there is so much that we are given every day mm. you know the air that we breathe the sunshine on our face the earth under our feet um berries that we can eat apples you know fruits um there's so much there and when you just spend one practice that I've started doing in the mornings just a little bit is um and this also came from Sophie Strand actually she runs through I'm not quite as good <laughs> as her at this but she runs through all of the um animals fungi bacteria um <laughs> plants in her local area within five mile radius of her local that she knows that she mm -hmm. knows the names of and it doesn't have to be scientific notice whatever you know bluebell snowdrop da, 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 and runs yeah. through all of them in her her mind and for, for her that's uh, that's um a way of helping her live her day in service of those beings mm -hmm. um but I also really love love that practice to foster this this um gratitude and you see the abundance and um gifts I suppose that you're showered with every, every day yeah um and I think that's a really helpful place to start kind of caring for for the earth you know for our home basically yeah rather than a place of everything is just deteriorating it's all really awful what on earth can I do um you know these tiny little things just observing a spider crawling you know making its web such a small thing and yet and maybe that can teach us that we can also you know just a small little connection and a web could have a huge ripple effect um so I really would love yeah encourage people who are feeling quite um overwhelmed with the climate crisis to come from um a place of gratitude and mm -hmm. love for the earth rather than you know it's very closely linked to despair but <laughs> rather than coming from this place of lack I suppose absolutely <laughs> and um before we do get into the tree moving um that's that's really a practice that I built in with myself and I I um it's part of my programs and my coaching because um finding finding those parts of your body and of your being and of yourself um that you can show gratitude to and and of your journey like of all the hard bits that actually have taught you so much and and how that then builds like such acceptance and self-love and that sense of inner safety or environmental safety, because actually here right now, you know, right here, right now, I can be grateful for these things and I can find like the wonder and that awe that you talked about earlier. I thought that was so interesting because, you know, I do look up at the sky or something that is way beyond me, this, you know, little human on this huge planet or little planet in the universe, however you look at it. But um and yeah, it it completely changes the way I, my perspective in that moment, you know. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to reflect that that back because with this connection of how we exist, you know, with the world and this more than human world and how we exist within our bodies or as a part of our bodies, you know, those frayed lines like that gratitude practice. Well, not even a gratitude practice, that noticing, that naming, that whatever, however you do it is just so beautiful and and important uh, and a cornerstone. I love that idea of doing it with your, yeah, on yourself and your body. I'm going to try that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and linked to that um, uh, with the uncertainty um, and safety, I suppose, <laughs> and it links to this surrender and lack and letting go of control the way that we're going to adapt to our changing climate best is to be flexible and creative and adaptive yeah. <laughs> ourselves. Um, and I think part of, you know, letting go of that control helps us to, to do that. Totally, totally. And it's, it, it, um, this idea that either we need to control something or it controls us it's like really binary and and it's totally for me I think is um 
balmy. It you know actually like you think it makes sense when you're living in that way, but actually when you're not, you're like no, there are there's another way, and it's like integration and and partnership and symbiosis. Like I I just love my old business was a fermentation business, so I I very much. <laughs> was into that like had a real understanding of that symbiosis and like yeah I just I think it's such a a beautiful thing to to be inspired by definitely um so back to the dreaming, back to <laughs> and dreaming. The winter. yeah um you know we are we are kind of almost in um winter and you know at the tail end of autumn um and I'm so ready to surrender into into winter into winter. Um, but also like, you know, looking at the beauty in winter and the idea that it's just this, you know, beneath the soil, this kind of like germination dreaming time. How can we bring that in in a perhaps um perhaps a more conscious way? Or how can we notice that? I think is what I'm saying. Oh, it's such good questions. Um, and yes, winter is this is the fertile void, right? So it's where we where we stop feeling the need to be productive all the time. And yet under the surface, there's things growing and roots being formed and <clears throat> ready for the spring, those shoots to come back up again. Um, there's some, I'm just trying to find it, this lovely quote from an incredible series of talks from Camille, Larissa Pinkola Estes, who mm-hmm. wrote Women Who Run With The Wolves, which, yeah, some of your listeners might have heard of before. Yeah. And the, the you can get it on Sounds True website, I think it's only like £30. It's a lecture series called um, Mother Night, I think. Mm-hmm. Let me just see if I can find the actual... Um, oh yeah it's called mother night myths stories and teachings for learning to see in the dark and in that she talks about the subconscious and nighttime being very uh, kind of nighttime being a a metaphor for the subconscious Mm -hmm. and these stars being the pinpricks of lights or the dreams that come through from Mm -hmm. that subconscious so I really loved that um that way of thinking about the night time and and this winter and the darkness um as a time to yeah pay pay attention or allow ourselves to become more aware of these little pinpricks or, or nudges or you know um suggestions of of the way that we want to live our lives dreams of the, the way we'd want to live our lives and they don't have to be massive or like change the world kind of things um, yeah they can be very very small this year I'd love to pay attention to I say the, the tree in my garden more. It doesn't have to be huge. Um, but I really love that idea of um nighttime and subconscious and dreams and stars and this kind of intermingling and how in the past we would have had a big period of activity during harvest time and preparing for winter mm-hmm. and in, in many cultures that you know where it is really bitterly cold you literally can't do anything so yeah um, the preparation for winters is huge and then and then we go into this sort of hibernation or quiet time and stories are told and I love I'd really like to learn more about oral storytelling and how mm. how it kind of it's such a magical thing isn't it because it's it changes whenever on the context so it changes depending on the people who are in that space listening to the story it might be the same story that's told um but uh, how it's kind of how it kind of um is created in that moment will be yeah. different um so this was a time for us to tell stories and to to open up that dreaming space and allow ourselves to you know maybe think of our ancestors think of um what came before us and and how we want to you know how we're going to continue those legacy is a word that I don't really like but kind of continue what our ancestors have started or what whether we'd like to change what our ancestors mm-hmm. did if you you know your um your immediate family aren't um 
aren't something that you want to aspire to. Yeah. Um, but also I'd love to encourage people to think of ancestors as much bigger than just um, blood family as well, that it's, uh, you know, right back to uh, the little sea creatures that that started as tiny little mm. single cell organisms and, you know, all of those are our ancestors as well. Um, so, yes, there's time to to retreat, to dream, to to compost, to allow yeah. these things kind of to to um, meld and I know see what comes out of out of it all in in the in the spring and I think stargazing is one of is a beautiful way to pay to direct your attention way to direct your attention during this these darker months yeah I'm thinking even about how like I know we don't get like this level of snow in this country but when there is a lot of snow that dampened sound that like quiet you know even that is like that extra level and I crave it sometimes you know I I I dream of going to a cabin in the snow in in the winter with fire and no electric light and you know things like that and it's um actually this conversation today has really helped clarify a few things in my mind with um with where I kind of see dreaming because dreaming and and this sense of ambition and awe, the awe that you brought in earlier um, and you talked about earlier, there's something that I hold really, really close to my heart. And when, you know, when you are really, really struggling with chronic illness, it can feel like those things are really far away from you, this kind of ability to dream, because actually all that you see in front of you is getting through to the next day or the next minute or hour or whatever it is. And it can be a real slog but holding on to those dreams and and knowing that you can be in this deep deep winter and in fact actually you know this this bodily deep winter and actually yes this is the perfect time to be holding on to those dreams and to be um for them to be germinating um and you know you're coloring in that picture i love that and it as you say it doesn't have to be like a huge big thing that's world shattering or whatever like it can be so small, but dear to you. I think. I think that's the like key is is that it's dear and close, and and that somewhere inside you it sparks that that fire, it's that ember. Um, talking about winter stargazing, this is a completely selfish question. I would love to do that this winter, <laughs> um, and yet I'm like, oh, but I'm going to be really cozy in my house at night, like. And the thought of going outside and can I think of a good a good location to do it in? What would be like the really basic first steps in helping me and everyone listening to do that? Yeah, that's such a great question because I was exactly the same like a couple of years ago. Um so I'm I will be running a free um night sky nature journaling project soon. So you're all really welcome to join that. And it is all just about taking those small steps, isn't it? So even now, all I do actually in the evening is go outside my my door and look up at the sky. And I realise, you know, I have the privilege of having a garden in which to stand to do that. Uh-huh. But if you don't have a garden, you can just switch off all the lights in your house and open a window that will hopefully, hopefully have a window that looks up at least a bit, a patch of sky. Yeah. And that is a good start. There are some great apps as well that you can get on your phone. Um, one of them's called uh, Stellarium. And that can help you to start identifying some of the, some of the stars. Mm-hmm. I think identifying is kind of, the, kind of the start, really. But I wouldn't get too hung up on learning about all of the different names and positions and all this kind of thing really what I'd love to encourage people to do is to as you're there just experience enjoying that experience of noticing the stars how does that that feel to you what do you notice when you start to look closely and I would recommend using binoculars if you've got them because you see so many more stars than you would with your naked eye mm. and you can see you can see stars in very yeah, light pollution places I've got um, someone who is such an avid stargazer and she lives in central London so wow. <laughs> and she can still see see stars there. of course it's nowhere near as spectacular as it would be in a dark sky protected area but um 
you can still do this in places where there is a lot of light pollution um and yeah just just tune into how it feels to look at look at look at the stars you'll start begin to notice that they're slightly different colors there are some that are slightly blue there are some that are slightly red and that links to their age so blue mm. are very hot bright new stars burning very quickly um red ones are usually towards the end of their their life span and there are some because of course the light we receive here on earth is millions of years old for some of these stars if they're if it's coming from really far away the light has got to travel all across space to yeah. get to Earth and into our eyes. So for some of those stars that we're looking at, we're not even sure if they're still if they're still there. They might have exploded okay. and disappeared. Um, and yeah, it, it completely starts it starts to open up your way of um, thinking and experiencing the night sky just from a couple of minutes. So all what I'd recommend is just go outside or switch off the lights in your room open the window and have a little look at, at what you can see and tune into how you're feeling when you're watching. Thank you for that. Um, that feels really doable. <laughs> um, but also it's just, I would echo exactly what you said. And for everyone listening, you know, that's a beautiful way to start connecting with your body and, and to the stars within your body, you know, and those those pinholes of light or those pinholes of dreams and however we've talked about stars because we've talked about them in quite a few different ways actually um so far so however those stars manifest in your life and in your body like as a way of really connecting and getting to know them and and noticing things like the color and um the brightness and the size and all of that business so um thank you for that um a question that you very kindly kind of posed to me and to everyone listening and for something that everyone I would love for you to think about is um how do you embrace or how can you embrace your chronic illness um to enrich your life rather than seeing it as stopping you from living the life you want so have a think about that and and use everything we've talked about today to really reflect on that I think um but it's been so wonderful talking to you, Agnes. Thank you so much um, for your time and your wisdom. And um, yeah, it's felt it's felt perfectly wintry in in the most wonderful way. This conversation. So thank you. Oh, such a pleasure! I've really enjoyed talking with you, Alana. And um, yes, I'm excited to see kind of how how people's stargazing journeys continue after our our talk. Absolutely. And in terms of so you've got your stargazing project coming up soon and then in terms of everywhere else that people can find you and the best places to find you where are they um would be my website where I've got a, a blog which I've called journal I keep thinking maybe I should call it a blog again but, um, <laughs> I've done exactly the same thing <laughs> would it be more obvious anyway <laughs> so yeah there's my website which is www.wearestardust.uk no co in there because I couldn't get that that uh -huh. And then on Instagram, which is We Are Stardust UK as well. And then I've got um, a newsletter, which I send out semi-regularly. And that's a lovely way to connect as well. Beautiful. And I will say also, you have some amazing artwork on there and your murmuration prints are just so beautiful and so moving to look at. So um, everyone check those out too. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Well, take care and um, we'll speak soon. Thanks so much, Alana. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Bringing on board the right kind of support can be the missing piece of the puzzle that so many of us don't realise we actually need. What would you do if you had the most epic support squad by your side? What would that unleash in you and what would it make possible for you in your life? If you're wondering how to start figuring that out, if you've got no idea where to start, I've got the perfect thing for you. My quiz, are you more Michelle, Gaga or Mindy? And what would their support squad unleash in you is now live. You can find the link to it in the show notes and in the bio. Don't wait another moment. Hop on over to the quiz to find out who you're channeling now.